Welcome to the Didi and Latal Show. Advice, thoughts, and stories from a married couple on cybersecurity, technology, and life in general. Now here are your hosts, Didi and Latal. Hello and welcome to the Didi and Lital shows. It's another week. Are things awesome? Things are awesome. First, I got two shirts while I was in Vegas. One is this one. Yeah. To celebrate the Vegas versus, the, the Vegas versus Panthers and the Stanley Cup final. And second, I got a Raiders Jimmy G, Jimmy Garoppolo jersey. For those of you who don't know who Jimmy Garoppolo is, first of all, Google him. He's... Now that Tom Brady retired, he's the best-looking quarterback in the National Football League by a mile. Let's has, put a picture for, yeah, for, for whoever wants he to has enjoy like, it. He has, like, the best chin ever. He has, like, the, the Superman chin. Uh, okay. he, he was Tom Brady's backup. He played for a game and a half, then got injured when Tom Brady was suspended. Played in the 49ers, got injured. Played everywhere. And Did you got, get a jersey with his picture or just his number? No, no, no. The the, the Jimmy Garoppolo j- official like jersey. It was like hanging there in the when I was going in. I was in Vegas. I was in conferences. I was going through the bridge in the Mandalay Bay, and that that shop part has a Raiders kind of shop, and his shirt is there in the in the on the window. So okay. I got I got one of those. Okay. And the other, the other one that I, the other thing I, I kind of liked, yes, that is Jimmy Garoppolo. Indeed, good looking. He, I would he, say better looking than Tom Brady. Tom Brady. Uh, yep. There will, there will be people that will agree with you that he is better looking than Tom Brady. He is a very good looking guy. Absolutely. Okay. So, okay. Second, <laughs> uh, uh, I did two five Ks, basically one every two weeks, every other two weeks. Yeah, yeah we did, in a month. Yeah, you did two. Two in a month. Two uh, short races, 5K with the kids, with the boys. You were supposed to join at least one of them. I was, and then I realized that I forgot about Leah's recital. And instead, I did an outdoor run before her re- dance recital started. Yes. So yeah, we talked about it before. I, I, I don't know. know, but I'm, I'm, I'm still speaking of metrics and, index, and indices for evidence and, and support. I'm still below, way below the, not way, and I'm 20 minutes, 27 minutes, 28, 27 minutes for a 5K, which is a good number for somebody ancient, and Ron and Omri are in a good... 22 p- minutes. No, so, so. That, that's Omri. So this was the fun part. Ron learned that he needs to build grit, because he runs as fast as he can and then slows, runs as fast as he can and then slows, runs as fast as he can and then slows. And he doesn't realize that this is not a way to run a 5K. Omri was running with Ron the first one, so he got the same time as Ron, was a little bit better. And then he ran with his hockey buddies and came in at least three minutes faster than he did last time. And all his friends complained that he didn't stop talking the whole run. So we need to find a way to get him to run with somebody that can pull him faster, which is an important thing. And I think this is kind of something I wanted to connect back to our theme of the day of the build versus buy. You need to aspire to be better. You need to compete with somebody that pulls you forward. The kids were really disappointed at me because like two years ago when, or three years ago when COVID started, when they went running with me and I, I didn't get any better or didn't get any worse. Got might be a little bit worse, but not a lot worse. They, they felt like I was running so much faster than them because they couldn't. And over time, 
teenage tons of testosterone flowing in, in our house these days. Hockey, and, and they run track in school. And they run so, track in school. And, and cross country, so yeah, it pushes them. Yes, and they are getting a lot, a lot better. And now, now, they're get, now they're getting an index of how much faster they are than their old dad. Yeah, I actually, I doing this regular challenges, running challenges, I'm not competing, I hate races. I, I don't like doing those things like social anxiety when so many people run together. I, I, I prefer to not do it, but like I'm doing this eight weeks challenge when you do a 20 minute test, run the fastest, longest that you can, you measure the distance that you did for 20 minutes. You do the challenge of like, it's basically all kinds of drills throughout the week to improve your running. And then you test yourself again, run the fastest you can for 20 minutes. I hate it. I hate it. And like, I want to die. I just started a new round and I did the 20 minutes beginning of the thing. I, I was a little bit worse than last time I did it. So I kind of like felt bad, but it also like, it wasn't the regular time of the day that I run. I find it that consistency is so important with those things. And I regularly run first thing in the morning, 6 a.m., sometimes before that. And, and that's because I was traveling and conferences and stuff. I did it at 6 p.m. I felt heavy and tired and it was really hard for me to run. So, yeah, it, it, I like the idea of benchmarking yourself yes. and testing ben and seeing Benchmarking yourself. And consistency, it's all about that. Like in life, if you've been dieting, it doesn't work because you lose weight and then you double it back. It's all about doing things as a routine, just yep. enjoying for life, not just thinking, Oh, I'm going to do that and then it's going to be over. No? And, and compete. Don't forget to compete. For me, compete. For you compete, for me, enjoy it. I don't need the competition to nothing, do my workouts. Nothing helps me enjoy things more than crushing somebody's soul when I'm doing it. It's I, don't, a, I don't care about competing. It's really about myself. Really, I, I don't see anyone else and I don't care about anyone else. I guess yep. it's just me, my thing. Uh, we wanted to talk one today. One more thing. That, one uh, more thing before the topic. Uh, one or? more thing before the topic. This is a big shout out to both the Newton community and the Hyde Park, Parkway, West Roxbury communities for having and organizing these races because they're an awesome community experience. Yeah, great yes. fundraise events. It's not just fundraisers. There's also have like a little bit of a party afterwards. I really enjoyed both of them. And, and by the way, if you want to see the difference culturally between the two, and by the way, I gravitate a little bit more towards the Hyde Park Parkway one because Newton had like energy drinks and cliff bars and bananas after the race with everything healthy. And on the Hyde Park Parkway, West Roxbury thing, they had beers and burgers and hot dogs at, at the tail end of this. I prefer the healthy I, I, way. You will enjoy Newton and I will enjoy my beer and burger after the race. I think this is the way to... So after we kind of like poo-pooed in the past, charity and running and all kinds of things, now we think it's fine. No, no, no. I think, <laughs> I think what, what we poo-pooed was the bake sale thing. Okay, the, so the, running is a legit way of fundraising? I, I don't think it's a, it's a way to fundraise. I think it's a way to build community. This is two different things. If you're, building, if you're doing a bake sale to build a community, it's awesome. But it's not building the community because it's going away from where people's values and, 
and things are versus a run, which is going exactly where the society is going. Everybody wants to be healthier, better. And this, and this is why I liked that option of the beer and burgers afterwards, because it shows balance, that you need to be balanced. You can do a race. It helps you keep yourself healthy. And then you consume a ton of calories. Yeah. Well, cool. it depends. For me, it's not a ton of calories because I was still, after I run 5Ks, I basically spend the next two days eating to get... You should not. You don't uh, burn uh, in, that in, much in, calories in, in your dream. Yes. Uh, yeah. yeah. So back, back to our reality. Benchmarks and metrics and consistency. And it's going back to the build versus buy conversation. So the, I want to give a little bit of before we, why we wanted to talk about that. Yes. I talk with a lot of companies. I meet daily with customers, with prospects, with companies. I go to events. I have... CISO dinners and a lot of organization feel that they're covered. They are building program on their own. A lot kind of have this debate. Should I do things myself? Should I buy tech? Should I completely outsource it and have a third party run the whole thing? And I think like always the answer is it depends and it depends what's good for you. But we do want to bring this idea of when and for whom is it good to build things on your own, create your own program and tech or use tech that is highly configurable. There is like this caveat that yep. a lot of time you think you are buying and you actually build building, building. you're buying something, but it's so configurable that you are part of the building of this. And we'll talk about it also. So, so let's talk about when is the right time? Who has the capabilities? What to consider if you're considering those things? And, and there is a variety of areas, yes. security versus other areas that so I'll, you'd I'll better start, buy versus build so I'll start vice with, versa. So I'll start with the build and I'll give an example of the build. So people, you, you made fun of me about UCN Bolt and his ability to run the 5K versus my ability to run the 5K. I don't remember if it was this episode or a previous episode, but it doesn't matter. Yes, I cannot run a 5K as fast as UCN Bolt, even though he runs 100 meters, not 5K. And it's Who runs a 5K? Uh, who's the famous 5K? The, the lady that sat next to us in the, in the beer garden in Munich. Remember? She's the European champion. champion. And yes, and she weighs less than, I think, she weighs less than my morning dump, I think. Okay, uh, she, that was she, not... It was very nice. She, she weighs like a paperweight and she ran a 5K, I think, another 14 minutes. That I have was, no idea. That, that was but the that number. Was that, yeah, that, that, that was fast. Yeah, we checked it out. But uh, the, the, the idea is that you need to understand how does a good builder looks like to understand very much like I look at UCN Bolt and I understand that I will never look like that. It's... It's important for a reality people. check. You exactly. Say. Get, a, so, get a reality check. So, who is a good? I'll give you an example. So, yeah. th there's an amazing blog that has gone around for many, many, many years called Joel on Software. Joel Spolsky, New Yorker, ex Israeli, ex paratrooper, not a, another, not 8200 guy, was the program manager for Excel, Microsoft Excel. All of us hate Excel, all of us use Excel. 
Excel is now 40 years old or something like this, and it exists for a reason. And Joel is an important reason why it's there, because the program was built right from day one. And he talks about the fact that when they were building Excel, they had to build, they were not using, even though Microsoft is probably one of the biggest vendors of compilers and development tools, they built their own development tools to build Excel, original Excel. I don't know what they're doing these days. Somebody from Microsoft can comment in the commentary section. But he said that they had to deal to build the cells to, excel, to expand to where the, they needed to be. They needed to expand how the block of a specific variable is compiled into memory. Mm-hmm. And he couldn't do this with out-of-the-box tools because nobody was needed to build a solution like this. They needed to build a database that was visible in the UI. And, and so it, it just didn't exist. It, so it, they had it, to it's w- not only that build. it didn't exist, the, the tools that existed did not perform to his spec. So he built a spec. He looked for other tools that are able to do this. And he showed that he could do this better than other teams. Speaking of which, he also had one of the best development teams in the world. If you need a reality check for how, compet- how a competent development team looks like, you go and talk to Microsoft these days with their SQL team, and you understand that you're missing at least a couple of brackets of IQ to match up to that team that's capable. There's also some of it, their internal office teams. When you talk to them, you understand that there's a reason why they get paid the way that they're paid and you're not paid the same way. And you and them are not in the same league. It's like you and you see and Bolt. And these guys have every right in the world to assume that they can build software, any software, better than a lot of the off-the-shelf because they are legitimately number one. And there's no... And going and looking at the tool and configuring a tool and working around the tool is a bigger waste of time. It happened... For, it happens, by the way, for us in ORT specifically. Here's a nice little... on our shoulder. Not for me, by the way. It's for Sasha mainly, not for me. When we were looking at the, doing IP-related modules for fraud detection, for basically the, the idea of things happening with IP fraud, there's a lot of ML models that you can pick off the shelf and run them. Mm-hmm. Our false positive rates were so much better than theirs, and our running per- performance was so much better because we know what we're doing, because we've been doing this for so long that a lot of the off-the-shelf take a lot of variables that are not necessarily related to the business model. So it makes sense for us to build it versus buy, 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 off, it, the shelf. buy off the shelf, get an open source, deal with the licensing of an open source, dealing with the, the overhead of the training of the model versus us training the model because you need to expose information that I don't feel comfortable exposing to the world. I prefer to keep it in our world and, and continuously to build on top of that. So sometimes... It does make sense for if you have a PhD in epidemiology, which is basically statistics, and you have another somebody that deals with statistics and high, and knows how to deal with the math f- effectively. It makes no sense for you to get something from somebody that somebody with a master's degree built, like 
in three minutes and didn't think th through this. I would still argue, though, that even though you have those amazing resources in-house, you still need to think of the alternative cost of them But that is building it. And that's where the other part of this is. This is our core business. Absolutely. If that's your core business and that's a differentiator that actually building it in-house makes sense, yes. But there are those cases, uh, maybe like the, the uh, Excel, or that they could outsource, they could find somebody to do it for them. Maybe it wasn't available at the time, but I would argue that let's say a lot of the tech, big tech firms today, they do the security in-house. They build the tools, they don't buy. Maybe they buy a little bit. The question is, is it the most cost-effective for them to have the best talent build those things or let them focus on the core business? Now, some of them, security is built in and very much, as you said, well-configured, very important. Like Facebook has to have their own team running security and maybe not buy off-the-shelf product because it has to be baked into the day-to-day. -day. Probably they have other areas that maybe they can use some other platforms. I don't know, the endpoint solution, so, for example. They developed their own. OS Query was developed by okay. and Facebook, is a, and it's a competing of open source solution that's competing with EDLs. Uh, and so GD and Latal show will return in a moment. The GD and Latal show is sponsored by ORT. In today's world, identities are the perimeter protecting the organization and are the most exploited vector by attackers. If your security teams are struggling to maintain control of identity management tools, ORT can help. ORT offers a centralized platform for discovering, monitoring, assessing, and remediating identity threats to your business. While most security platforms can take weeks or months to start identifying and remediating risks, with ORT, your security teams can get started in as little as 30 minutes and start securing the identity perimeter immediately. ORT will surface the most critical vulnerabilities and give your security teams the recommended action steps. Start your trial today at ORT.io. That's O-O-R-T dot I-O. The DD and Latal Show is sponsored by Hunters. Hunters is a SaaS platform purpose-built for security operation teams. Providing unlimited data ingestion and normalization at a predictable cost, Hunters helps SOC teams mitigate real threats faster and more reliably than SIM. Visit Hunters.ai to learn more. Here, let's give people questions that will teach them how to kind of evaluate, should I buy this specific solution or should I build and understand what is the overhead? So let's, let's do, run a mental exercise of what should it look like? Yeah. So n question number one is, do I have the right skills to do this? And this is, by the way, is something that is not to insult people. And people need to understand that sometimes. So I had this when I was flying back from from the Identiverse. I, I sat next to a fascinating person. I don't want to expose his identity or anything because I didn't talk to him at a time. But I sat next to a very, very smart CISO, very capable, really enjoyed every minute of the conversation. We had a six-hour flight, and it went by like this. And he was talking about the things that his team does. 
and they are very very highly skilled team they, they have a lot of capabilities mm -hmm. but one of the things that he started questioning himself on some of these things is do I have enough evidence that they're skilled no not that they're skilled they, they, they have the skills but when you build for example for a threat detection thing you need teams like my buddy Eric that know that this is the right attack vector and this is how to evaluate this so do they also have the ability to know attackers maybe yes. think like a hacker exactly. and not just think as a, the developer side exactly because i'll give you an example a lot of times people say hey, yeah yeah, yeah I, I can read off the internet and i see how to implement the splunk rule and i implement the splunk rule but they don't know how to continuously evaluate the efficacy of the rule so companies like cisco companies like palo alto they have what is called efficacy teams that continuously evaluate that the efficacy of the rule is still there and that's why so it's not just the ability to develop it's the ability to test and, and maintain and, and, and here comes that the maintain the maintain. because the fact that you have disabilities right now what will happen if your organization goes through a cost reduction will you be able to maintain this unique talent exactly. if, if the others how costly over time when you'll have gonna have more complexity more data more tools to the organization will acquire new businesses will you be able to maintain building in most cases the research efficacy teams is something that unless you're a security company you don't have a research efficacy team because there are very few people that, that, that have this knowledge that have this knowledge white-hat hackers or and they continue and they continuously do this they continuously evaluate to run the continuous evaluation is a very expensive process but you can maybe outsource this one maybe you, maybe can you just bring this one you build and you have somebody external once in a while assess for you so that's a model that, that could that, work that is a possible model but you need to understand if you do run that model that model is expensive i'll give you an, another example that is a is an interesting aspect there's something in MySpace called identity governance tools. SailPoint, that's, that's your example of the tool that you buy off the shelf and then spend half a million dollars configuring it. We'll talk in a second about the Salesforce and the, and the things that uh, appear to be that you buy, but actually yes. you build. So for example, a, a lot of times when a big vendor builds a tool, for example, an Okta, a Microsoft, a SailPoint, when they build one of these tools, they assume a certain team size that needs to maintain the solution. And, and this is where my, my belief of the batteries included versus batteries not included model comes into play. And nobody likes to get a toy that you need to get batteries. Exactly. The kids want to play with it, it right away. out of the box. Out of the box. I want out of the box things to work. I want, if you remember when you used to buy computers before Apple came in, batteries was not charged so you, you got your computer you had to plug it for like an hour before you can actually get the Mac the laptop to work a whole bunch of things like that which kind of drove people insane same went with the original cell phones that you yeah, had yeah you had to install drivers what are you talking exactly. about exactly so the, the old the old Mac versus PC yeah coming out of the box uh, so it, it, yeah. so the, the the idea is that they assume that they don't know when the, the big vendor builds something for 
the customer. They, it's a plain still, vanilla. It's a plain vanilla. It's a big it, white it, canvas. Exactly. And having the white canvas sometimes doesn't help, especially if you are in the, in the organization that doesn't have the skill set. You don't know what you don't know. So I find that this is maybe the main problem with enterprise software, not just security, that many organizations are selling plain vanilla platforms. Salesforce is the worst. Yes. A lot of capabilities, huge platform. You have to bring in now professionals to build it, configure it, and reconfigure it and keep on running it. And there are no clear manuals. They're not clear best practices. They are as if they do, and they have all kinds of professional services and crash courses and a huge industry that they built on top of it of services and service providers and small startups and all kinds of maintenance shop. And oh my God, this is failing all of us in enterprise across the board in Splunk is like this, all kinds of SIM solutions, all the marketing and sales optimization platforms are like that. I'm sure there's so many other areas that you're just buying a plain non-functioning vanilla and to get it to work, you need to configure it. And I feel like 90% of the time you're screwing up the configuration and it's not configuration. It's actually building software. So I'll, I'll give you the best example, historic for all the failures and when it changed. So ERP systems, remember the big yeah, ERP? Yeah, oh, that's the, the, the same. The SA, SAP. The SAP, Oracle. The SAP same. and Oracle and those mass, and they were basically replaced by tools that came with an opinion that basically said, you know what? No, it's, it's not whatever you want. You, the, you, the tool that caters to the whatever you want needs to cater to the big organization that actually has processes that are unique to them. I would but, argue but, that even then they have processes and they have ideas and then to implement those ideas take 20 months and those ideas have shifted. And if not, they're in big trouble if in 20 months the ideas didn't that, that shift. Is, that is possible. I, I, I don't want to argue the point because I'm not in HR and I don't know what these things are. But in a lot of cases, as somebody that's now using Trinet, that comes off the shelf and says, this is how you manage things. I prefer as somebody that's not a professional, that somebody will come to me and say, this is how you do this. And by the way, SAP themselves, at the tail end of their big success, came in and said, this is how you implement the hiring process. This is how you implement the firing process. Do you have all these check boxes? You can turn off some of the stages because you don't have them. But this is how you do this. Rather than to highly customize something for yourself, this is the process. This is how you do this. This is how you are, I should look like. This is where it's connected to. And this is how you do this. And I think with Salesforce, they're, they, they, they like that ambiguity to support everything because they don't want to tell people, this is how a sales engagement looks from end to end. How a customer journey looks from end to end. Because in most cases, nobody knows. Nobody knows. And, and, and by the way, when you have the strong opinion about it, it's a problem. In our space, in security, there is, remember our conversation in previous times about math versus literature and evidence base? It's the same thing. 
80% of the attack are prevalent and everybody needs to take care of them the same, the same way. way. The same way. Have an opinion, very much like CrowdStrike came in. This is how you do this. Yeah. And this is how you measure this. Same goes for, for MySpace in terms of IGA and access reviews. This is how you do this. You run it continuously. You measure, this is the, the correct index. If, if you still have employees after less than six hours after they got fired in your system, you have a problem. Take, take them out. This is how you take them out. This is the process. This is the way. If, you, if you're not doing this, you are broken. And this is where people, vendors, have a problem to come to their customers and say, if you don't do it my way, you're broken. And that's why they allow for all these customizations. I want to give an example from uh, real life that I really like, that I think is really relevant. Costco is a great model of it. There is a lot of research that those enormous aisle with gazillion cereal choices to, or tons of different yogurt to pick up from is actually not helping the customer pick up the best. And, and usually it's bad for the revenue of the store. Too much choice. Is yes. not, it's confusing for the shopper, waste too much time, end up not maximizing the revenue for the store. So Costco is, they, they've done tons of research and typically for every item, they will have just two options. Or three. They'll have, or maybe three. Usually it's kind of like one of a big brand, like a P&G brand or Kimberly Clark, kind of like a, a, the leading in the category and the store brand, which is sometimes the same manufacturer just labeled as Kirkland. So, and that's it. You're shopping at the Costco and you have two options, store brand or the leading brand. That's it, not gazillion cereal, not 2000 shades of yogurt, two options, yogurt. And it's good, it's good for the revenue. It's good for the supply chain, which is much simpler. That's how they take costs down. It's good for us shoppers, because we have a one shopping list. Anyhow, we only buy one type of yogurt. That's it, I don't need a million times. Yes, if I want to try something new, I'll go to the Wegmans and see all oh, the gazillion good. options they have. It's the same. The reality is, that you don't need configurations. You don't need variety. Variety is a waste of time, effort, and a headache. You need an opinionated expert to tell you and configure things from the get-go and give it to you and leave some room for you to tune down things, to add things that are unique to your business. But again, 80% of the attacks and 80% of the tech stack is so similar you only have a few things that are very unique to your org. I believe that we need to shift from those plain vanilla, huge configuration, tons of opportunity for mistakes and lost revenue because of this whole silos, tons of headcount that needs to be spent on top of it. And as much as we hate to talk about the, the AI kind of buzz, I think AI can solve a lot of that because AI comes with a certain opinion, whether it's right or wrong, and it's kind of dictated. I've been talking with my RevOps team about how fast would it be that tools like ChatGPT will look at all the Salesforce implementations of this world, 
look at them and say, okay, those are the most prevalent. Those seems to be the most sticky and let's go and automatically configure Salesforce that way and enforce it. And I'd be the first one to buy this solution because as much as I love my team working on configuration, they're frustrated. It's a never ending thing. We never know if it's effective or not. There's so many options and they have better things to do than just spend time changing field here, field, drop down menu here, drop the menu there and configure the reporting. So yes, I know I'm going to have a lot of companies saying they have tools that are being built on top of Salesforce and supposed to give automation. It still doesn't work that well. So same, like I'm at Hunters, we come coming against this approach of SIM needs to be highly configurable. No, we give you 80% of the detection rules already from the get-go, maybe more than that if that's what you need. You can still configure your own detections, but at the end of the day, you probably don't need it because yes, we have experts that run it, check for efficacy, do the pen testing. We look at customer's environment. We do look how it works, how well it works. If something is noisy, we will be taking it down instead of your team to need to handle those noisy alerts that somebody configured the rule, but this rule is so much or crap. The rule, or, the rule so much crap. Or, or the rule became outdated. Yeah, that's the thing. Or you changed something in your environment and now you need to reconfigure stuff. You want it to come out of the box with the batteries, like yes. I said, and, and have something that automatically change the batteries when they start draining yep. instead of you finding it out that it doesn't work when your kid really Char want it. Chargeable and hybrid cars. Like I said, you, you can't drive an electric because you'll strand it in the middle of nowhere. We'll have automatically charging. Yes. They'll, they'll go and they, they will outsmart me and go and park and yes. get themselves yes. recharged. So, so I don't, they'll take over, yeah. I'm sure. So I'll, t I'll end this with a funny story. Yeah. So I went to Vegas. My brother lives in Vegas. And as my brother is somewhat different than I am, he had a Tesla for three months. And when he got rid of the Tesla. So when he uh, got uh, stuck uh, in the middle of the road. Yeah, exactly. In Vegas? No, in, um, in Nevada. Between California and Nevada. And Nevada, he was going to LA to visit other members of our family, and he said, "Yeah, I came in, and oh yeah, I kind of sort of forgot to charge the car, and I kind of went through this and without planning." He says that if you drive a Tesla, you need to plan every trip. Oh, this is not your brother. That's not my brother. That's not the planning is not. It's not my brother. A skill of his. Yes. So you need. He's to the most spontaneous person. Yes. He would go on a trip to LA and back overnight without planning. And apparently, if the he, car is not charged. <laughs> the car is not charged. <laughs> yeah, not and, a and Tesla he guy. Know, and he didn't know where the next charging station is and such. And he luckily found the charging station in the middle of the way. But that's kind of the point. So he didn't get stuck, but, get, but it's but not but for did, his lifestyle. But he did spend 40 minutes waiting for the car to get charged, like in the middle of the, uh, of the way. So, but to the, the, to the point, is you need to understand if something you do is um, is complementing of your lifestyle and long term and long because sometimes it looks attractive from the get-go and yeah. the vendor will tell you all those great stories yes it comes out of the box and the, uh, what and are you the, talking about and the doors open like this and yeah or we give you free ps services so we will configure it for you don't, don't worry worry about, it. Exactly. don't worry about it then you're down you need to 
repay a big PS bill yes. because you need to so don't reconfigure. Be, don't be my brother. Don't get, get stuck between <laughs> LA and Vegas. Make sure that what you bought is the right fit for you. Absolutely. So only build if you meant to build. Rebuilding, exactly. Well, great. With that, another great episode of the Didi and Lital show is coming to an end. Please rate and review us wherever you get your podcast. The Didi and Lital show is a weekly podcast. If you want to be on the show, reach out to Didi or to myself. We hope you enjoyed this episode. See you soon. See bye you bye. Soon. Bye.